Thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network, free and available where you beautiful people get your podcast. On today's episode, oh man, we've got a loaded show today full of great news as Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com not just joins for a Michigan-Michigan State preview for Saturday's game, but also talks about the first commit of the 2023 basketball class as Jeremy Fears Jr. commits to green and white. And then also, Justin Thind of 24-7 Sports joins to talk Xavier Henderson's return, Jeremy Bernard, Trevante Citizen, all sorts of stuff. Loaded show today. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello there and happy Friday to you wonderful, wonderful Spartan fans and also you sensational Locked on Spartans listeners. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Uh, We got a loaded show today. Uh, Before going any further, I'm your host, Matt Sheehan. Hi. Hello. That's right. Although, uh, unlike the last few episodes, it's not just my voice today as we are graciously joined by two of uh, some of my favorite guests that we have on here time to time again. Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com, and then 247Sports.com's Justin Thind. Oh my goodness gracious, what a time to be alive. Uh, And it's awesome because all news that we're talking about, for yeah, the most part, is great news for Michigan State with commits, guys coming back, uh, things are looking good in recruiting. So, it's always a sunny day in East Lansing. That's right, guys. Look out your window. Guarantee you're seeing some sun right now. Uh, okay, if your eyes aren't seeing sun, then hopefully your ears are going to be listening to this Spartan sunshine being delivered to you on this Friday. Uh, before diving into our first interview with DK, that's right, my guy Dave Klein, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. This is Locked on Spartans, and if you have any questions, hit me up, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Let's stop wasting time. Let's get into some basketball hootenanny business with our guy Dave Klein. One of my all-time favorite people on the other end of this phone call, and it's probably one of his all-time favorite times to be a Spartan because, well, MSU just got a recruit. MSU's got a big game on Saturday. He is Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com. DK, let's get a vibe check. How you doing, man, as we head into a weekend of Michigan versus Michigan State on Saturday? Brother, it is so good to hear from you. I didn't get a chance to do my regular, you know, excitement video, but now here I'm joining you. And let me just say that I am full of juice. Jeremy Fierce commitment kind of a little bit out of the blue. I mean, there was some chatter that he was trending away from Illinois towards Michigan State, but I did not expect the commitment to happen this soon. And here we are. And then on top of it, you know, rivalry game. It seems like a little early in the season. Football season has just ended. You know, Michigan's hopes dashed against Georgia's wall of a defense. And now here we are possibly (laughs) throwing another nail in the coffin on Saturday. I mean, there really can't be a better time if you're a Spartan fan than right here now today. So, you know, obviously the show's locked on Spartans, but we do have to talk about the opponent. And I just really need you to help me get a read on Michigan because, look, admittedly, I don't watch the Wolverines that much, but this is where we're at with this team that's 7-6 and six overall. And as of now in bracketology, not in the tournament. So on one hand, uh, okay, Central Florida, they lost that game, but UCF won 8-for-8 eight eight from 3 in the second half. That's tough to beat. Yes, they just lost to Rutgers, but Michigan had four guys out. Earlier this season, they lost to Seton Hall in Arizona, but now in hindsight, 
those don't look like too bad of losses, but DK, on the other hand, they got throttled in that Arizona game. They got pulverized by a not-so-good North Carolina team. They got 10-piece by Minnesota. That UCF game we just talked about, that was still a 14-point loss. And people forget, that Tarleton State game, that was not always a double-digit game. That, that was an escape that they had to do. So I'm rambling. DK, shoot me straight. What is this Michigan team just actually really bad, or what's going on here? Man, so that's such a good question. I think if you're looking just at the pure talent on the roster, if we're approaching it from like, if you line these guys up and we're looking in the preseason, I really didn't have much of an issue with them being a top 10 preseason team. I think the AP poll, they were number five, which was a little high for me, but I thought that this was a top 10 team heading into the season, just looking at the roster, right? You bring back mm-hmm. Eli Brooks to kind of carry the torch of fifth-year senior. You bring back an All-American center in Hunter Dickinson. You have the number three. I think it was number one at one time, but it ended up finishing at three overall at the class of 2021 with it. You bring in three McDonald's All-Americans. I mean, there was a lot of excitement heading into this season for the Wolverines, and rightly so. You know, they're coming off a Big Ten right. championship. They make an Elite Eight. Uh, you don't get to hang a banner for that, unfortunately, in the Final Four. I know, I know that's a little <laughs> little bit of a caveat there. You don't get to hang a banner for that one. But they lose a bunch of guys. You know, they lose Franz Wagner. They lose mm-hmm. Johnny Brown. They lose Isaiah Livers, kind of that wing core. And so they really were expecting a guy like Cable, Caleb Houston to kind of step up to the plate and fill some of that wing role that was lost. He's been a little bit underwhelming so far this season. Uh, he's averaging, I think, like right around nine and a half, but he's taken like pretty close to nine shots to get there. It's a situation where he's not shooting particularly well from three. I think I was crunching the numbers, and I want to say like he's shooting like 11% over his last three or four games from beyond the arc, so that really hasn't gone well for him. And it's a situation where I think if you're kind of just looking at the pieces, this team may not like each other. And there's okay. some shots <laughs> taken by both Hunter Dickinson and Eli Brooks in the post-game press conferences <laughs> in the course of this year where they're saying, like, hey, this isn't high school anymore. Some very clear shots at some of the freshmen. Uh, Hunter Dickinson called out the senior uh, transfer point guard from Coastal Carolina, Devontae Jones, saying this this isn't, you know, this isn't the little league basically anymore. You're You're playing now in a different type of league. And, so I think that maybe more so than the talent on the roster, which is good, but maybe the fit doesn't make 100% sense because there's not as much maybe shooting as you would like around Hunter Dickinson. I think more so the problem lies in some of the chemistry and just the general, like, does this team like each other? And when you get into that situation, you can have as much talent as you want on the paper. If you can't play and you're looking next to it and trust the guy in the trenches with you, it's one of those situations where the season is just going to go awry on you. So, um, yeah, I think this is a situation where it can go one of two ways. It's a desperate spot for Michigan backs against the wall, or it's a situation where Michigan State can come in there, punch him in the mouth, and basically hammer in the first real big nail into possibly the tournament hopes for this team. So, obviously, I'm hoping it's the latter. And, like, just how are you personally feeling for the game? Because I, I, I wrestle with it myself. Like, Michigan, yeah, just like everything you said, like, it is just not clicking. Chemistry might have an issue there. But at the same time, like, every cliche in the book is being thrown out onto the court this Saturday. They're a desperate team. It's a rivalry game. They could just snap out of it because, you know, like you said, on paper, that is a good preseason top 10 team. It's not like... 
I, I don't know. Like I just I'm 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 at a loss for words really when it comes to <laughs> just like how, how mm. things have gotten this bad for them. So I just oh, I'm, I'm you know me though, DK. I, I get panicky. Yeah, I'm a little no, nervous. I'm a little, so of I'm course I'm gonna say I'm nervous. More anxious about these as well. I'm, I'm I'm more on your like kind of neurotic like feeling about. It. I know you feel that way almost every sure. single football game. Like basketball season, you get 30 games. There's there's so many spread out that like you can't get overly worked up or literally my blood pressure will just be going up and down. It does I'd be the dead. Yeah. Game, but I try not to like work myself up too much during it. This one I'm a little unsettled. I don't know what to make of it because. If Michigan State was playing crisp and clean basketball, I would come on here and I would pound my chest and say this is a dub. But the last three games, mm-hmm. they kind of looked a little bit shitty. And hopefully I can swear on your podcast. I've never asked that before. Eh, go for it. Bad if I it's getting nuts. It, but yeah, it's a, it's a situation where if you turn the ball over 11 times in your first 21 possessions against Michigan and let them think that they can hang around with you, then absolutely Saturday is going to be a game and you're going to have to find a way to grind one out, which – Michigan State has found ways to do during the course of the season. I think this team is obviously a lot more connected so far from what I've seen. I think this team kind of has bought into it. But they've also been extremely careless of the, with the basketball for a large part of the season. There's been stretches where it's like, okay, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 8 turnovers. We can live with that, right? 15, mm-hmm. 16, 19 the last game against Nebraska, you know, like, I just think that if Michigan State doesn't come in correct on Saturday, this is a game that they absolutely can lose. And I really think that maybe the first four minutes is it's going to tell me kind of how this game's going to go. If Michigan State's locked in, they come in, they hit some big shots early, and they kind of get Michigan on their heels, I'm going to feel really good about it. But if they come in and they turn the ball over four times in the first five possessions and they're just losing their mind – then I, you know, then I'm going to think that this might be a long, grindy road to be able to find a way to win. So, it, it's it's still kind of up in the air for me. I, I'm I'm just kind of taking it day by day. But I think that <laughs> Michigan State should win. I would be disappointed with a loss, but I, I can't say one way or the other if I have a real pulse on what's going to happen on Saturday. Just for reference to uh, BartTorvik.com right now, has Michigan as a very, very slight favorite, like like a point four point favorite, just for reference. Has the line come out Yeah, I haven't seen the line. I, I no, not a, yeah, not an official line. It'll probably come out Friday afternoon or uh, maybe even Saturday morning sometimes with these games. But, yeah, it, it'll be close to a pick em, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I, that's what was my <sighs> guess as well. Maybe Michigan State's favored by a point or so. Sure. Yeah, uh, what well, either way, I'm hedging my happiness and I'm throwing a whole lot of money on Michigan. But uh hey, I'd be happy to lose go. that bet as I've Do lost that. a lot of bets that way over the football season. So hey, that's uh, that's life, isn't it, baby? Um really quick, just one more thing about this game. For your happiness, though. That's not really exactly right. for your happiness. I, I do that sometimes. Don't feel bad about it. A quick uh, side story, 2019, the first time they played Michigan, I started with a ton of money in my Bovada account and then bet against Michigan State every single game uh, until uh, the Final Four because at that point, well, I went all in on the Duke game and that was just my my payment to go see them to a Final Four. So, hey, happy to lose all whatever, like eight of those bets or however many that was. Spartan Nation thanks you for your consideration. Uh, I, you know, DK, I, I do what I can. I, I try my best. I try. Um, and we are not done talking with our guy Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com just yet. But first, I just need to talk to you fine folks about Get Upside. That's right. Hey, guys. Uh, it's it's Matt. Nice to, nice to see you guys again. And I've got an incredible app for everyone who buys gas that you just need to know about. 
Get upside. It's one word. Get upside. My listeners make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on that first tank. Some people who drive a lot, I mean a lot, are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. And there is no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. God, I wish I had this app when I was driving from Troy, Michigan to Port Huron five days a week for my first job out of college. I would be retired by now. Uh, you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or get an e-gift card to Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get 50 cents per gallon cashback on your first tank. That's code SCORE on the GetUpside app. Also, I need to talk to you fine folks about betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year. They've got a new updated desktop and mobile website, so sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word, LOCKEDON, to get started. From football to basketball to hockey to boxing to UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's betonline.ag where the game starts. And before restarting up our conversation with Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com, just want to thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network. I just got one more quick question about this game. Yeah. I, I like as far as individual matchup goes, like yeah. as far as the most important one, is it just as obvious as Bingham versus Dickinson, or is there another one-on-one matchup that you see from this game that could be more important than that one? No, in terms of what Michigan State needs to do to make this a long game for Michigan, it clearly has to be Bingham playing at a top level. You don't really love to see that he's in the doghouse for long stretches of that Nebraska game. Uh, Walker kind of took it to him a little bit in the first half, and Izzo was not having it. I think it was kind of a teaching moment, like you need to be better against you know some of the better bigs that are coming in this conference. He he played him towards like the end, very end stretch, but he almost sat for the whole second half. And so I'm hoping it kind of lights a little bit of a fire under Bingham. That's always an interesting relationship. He's been really consistent this year, but he's going to have to be as good, if not better, than he's been the whole season against Dickinson because. Uh, Dickinson's a monster. He's a guy that can yeah. absolutely kind of take over a game in the interior of this. And the one concern I would have for Michigan State is that Bingham somehow gets into a little foul trouble. Uh, that would bode pretty poorly because I just don't really trust the backup center spot currently for Michigan State. The one caveat I would say is that Michigan is really going to have a difficult time guarding both Gabe Brown and Max Christie. They've had several wings kind of pop off against them. Uh, the UCF game, the Buffalo game, a couple of the other ones during the course of the season, they've let some bigger wings uh, kind of control some parts of the game, and, and they just don't really have a wing stopper, right? Eli Brooks is like 6'1", 6'2". 
Devontae Jones was gotcha. billed as kind of like a defensive guy, but he's not great. So it's a smaller backcourt. They can't really deal with quickness, which I think Tyson Walker is going to have, you know, a little bit of an ability to get into the lane. And I just think that the size of Michigan State's wings and the way that really Max Christine Gabe Brown has been shooting can really hurt Michigan. So if you're looking on the flip side of the matchup, yes, Michigan State has to shut down Hunter Dickinson, but Michigan's going to find a way to deal with Michigan State's wings. And if they're not able to do that, I think Michigan State can hit some threes and really make this uh, a fun game for us Spartan fans. And so far, this has been, you know, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back here. This has been a really mature conversation when it comes to talking about know. Michigan. But uh, I'm going to give us a chance to be petty here, and this is via a listener email. <laughs> Uh, Keith Johnson writes in a would you rather question that I just had to pick your brain about too, because I've been wrestling with it myself. He asks, would you rather guarantee MSU gets to an elite eight or guarantee that the first round of the NIT has a U of M versus Imani Bates and Memphis matchup? I absolutely love this question. Love this question. (laughs) So what, what are you going to go with? Because I'm torn. (laughs) Oh man. You know what? I would have to look at what Izzo's record is in the Elite Eight, but I want to say that when he gets there, his percentage is ridiculous to make a Final Four. And I know he, he he's fallen quite a bit short in the Final Four standings, but like sure. there's a reason why you hang a banner. It's hard to get there. So for me, mm-hmm. I absolutely will take the Elite Eight because if they get to an Elite Eight, um, you know, I have to look off the top of my head. I, I wish I could pull it up, but I want to say it's like it's definitely above 50% during the course of his tenure when he makes an Elite Eight he gets to the final four. So for me, I'm going to take the winning, but I love the question because, you know, Amani Bates, Michigan first four, after they give us all that shit for that, for saying that we didn't make the tournament and then they lost to the same sure. team we did. I don't know how that quite <laughs> the math works out there, but uh, it would be pretty enjoyable. Let's just say this, if Michigan state goes out and just clobbers Michigan on Saturday, don't even worry about the first four because Michigan's, Michigan's going to be reeling. The season's going to be in danger, and maybe this team's mm-hmm. not even going to make it. So maybe they should be worrying about the NIT and not the tournament if Michigan State can go in and handle some business. So let's let's put it that way. So we don't have to worry about the first four. Let's make the Elite Eight. The, the game will take care of itself from there. I, I'm with you too. I'm going to have to go with the, the Michigan State Elite Eight side of this. But man, like, and again, like, if, if you think. Um, that I'm petty enough to root against a 17-year-old kid just because he punked Michigan State twice. And I've got news for you. You are spot on. Uh, I absolutely love the demise of Memphis so far this season. It has been a joy to watch. Uh, if this is a game at Chrysler Arena, I might buy tickets for this first-round NIT matchup just to run my mouth until I get chased out before a little tip-off even happens. But give me the Elite Eight. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Great question. I love that question. Really quick, DK, if you got time to stick around for Jeremy Fears talk, would love, love, love to pick your brain about the first commit of the 2023 mm. class. You've done a great write-up at SpartanHoops.com. And like you were saying earlier, it's kind of a surprise commit, mm. right? Like this all happens so fast. I mean, this, wow. I just, wow is, is all I got to say. Very delightful surprise, may I add. So they have been on him for a little while. He came during the summer. Obviously, you know, the season before was basically locked down and recruits were just not even capable of coming onto campus for a whole year because of the NCAA mandate. So when he was able to come onto campus, which was in June, he did Mm -hmm. so. uh, Played some pickup with the team. Sounded like some good vibes going. 
came back in September on an unofficial visit. They offered him during that weekend. And then it's kind of just been like some mutual interest between the program and him. He's come and visited a couple times. The program went and saw him a couple times. There was some rumors, you know, he's an Illinois kid, and there were some rumors that, you know, Illinois was kind of the front runner in this. Then there was some, like, getting cold on the situation. It's not really clear to me who kind of initiated that for him. To me, he's he's a top 30 point guard. Like, you absolutely need that type of kid in the program. Illinois is not some Duke or Kentucky or Kansas or, you know, like a program that's consistently recruiting top 10 or 15 kids. So the thought that Illinois somehow was, like, cold on him, which I've seen (laughs) on some message boards and stuff, that's an absurd statement to me. Like, who does Illinois think that no way. No shot. No shot. (laughs) Give me a break. So something happened, and there was a little bit of fallout. Maybe there was just not seen eye to eye between the staff. And I've seen some people, I'm sure you saw my tweet on Twitter today, where he's like, well, you know, Brad Underwood told him he wasn't going to get the keys to the castle, so that's why he's not coming here. Yeah, because Tom Izzo has always promised every freshman that's come through that you immediately get the keys to the castle just for joining the program. Of course, yes. Famously, yes. Coming (laughs) from him. You know, so I think it was a situation where uh, you know, part of his heart probably wanted to stay home. I don't know what the relationship breakdown was there, but it was a hundred percent to Michigan state's benefit. He is a kid that is an absolute dog. He's a two way player, really comfortable handle, like a good, not great athlete, a guy that can get downhill. He can finish above the rim, but for the most part, it's a little bit of finesse below it. Um, he's got mm-hmm. a shot that he's working on. I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent, there yet but he's a guy that can get to the mid-range and pull up he's a guy as a set shooter that it will go down in spots he needs to continue to develop the ability to kind of pull up off the dribble particularly in the ball screen game but I think all around when you're looking at like floor general leader like guy that fits into the mantra of the program that OKG our kind of guy kind of feel Jeremy Fears is 100% that and to start the class this early you know, in the fall before, like the top 30 kids, most of those kids are committing like well into the summer, you know, even maybe into the fall and to get a commitment from him this early to kind of like just put a chip in your bag and say, okay, we have this, this is the foundational piece of the class. What else can we go and get? And I think that the real exciting part is he's a really good piece. And if you're looking at the way that Michigan state is building the roster just for the future, the point guard position is just absolutely solidified not just for like a year or two or three, like for the next five years, right? You have Hogard, you have Trey Holloman who's committed in 2022. Now you have Fears who, you know, may be the best of the bunch. And so you look at kind of what you're building and I just think there's nothing but excitement that should be had for the commitment here because he's a perfect fit. He's only going to get better. And he's a guy that I think is probably going to stick around three, four years Maybe he has some NBA potential upside, but he's going to be a great college player. Not just a good one, but a great eventually. And I think Michigan State's going to really enjoy just seeing him in the green-white. And you mentioned Trey Holloman in 2022 and obviously Fears in 2023, back-to-back years. What is the biggest difference between these two players? Is there something that one does way better than the other? Or how, how do you differentiate these guys? Because obviously they're also different builds too. Like Holloman, Ranger guy, wider wingspan, both elite defenders. Yeah. But how about on the offensive end? 
That's a great question. So Thanks. the way that I look Appreciate at that. it is, yeah, you know, uh, the way that I look at it is you look at the national championship game last year, Baylor mm-hmm. had two point guard type guys in Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler on the floor at one time. Gonzaga, you look across, had almost like three guys. They had Suggs, they had Nebhard. Like the way that you're constructing rosters and the way that college basketball has kind of adapted is playing multiple point guard type guys, guys that are capable of scoring at multiple levels, but also guys who are pass first guys, guys that can see the floor, they can break a, a guy down off the dribble. And so when you have multiple guys on the floor, it becomes just so much more open for the rest of the players. You surround it with a couple of shooters and all of a sudden you're not just one guy that's bearing the burden of kind of facilitating for the team. You have two guys that are capable of doing it. And I think that what Michigan State has really done a nice job of heading towards the future is building that type of roster where they don't just have one or two playmaking type scoring guards. They're going to have a whole host of them. You know, you have Walker for next year, possibly fifth year. You know, if he wants to come back for his COVID season, I don't know if I see it. A.J. Hogard is kind of the same way. You have him for a couple more years. Trey Holloman, now you have Fears. So you have multiple guys, and what you're going to see is Michigan State's going to probably start playing a little bit more of the two-guard lineup. They've done it in some instances this year where you've seen Jaden Aikens playing besides one of the point guards, even though he spent some time in high school playing the point guard spot. And so I think when you're looking at what maybe the future is of both, you know, who's going to start at point guard, who's going to be the off guard, I think that you can really play Holloman and Fears next to each other. So, like, Holloman is a, a little bit taller. I think he's 6'2", 6'3", longer wingspan, maybe a little bit more of, a, of an athlete, both vertically um, and just because of his, his size and his length. But Fears and him both are capable of getting downhill in the paint. I think they're both good, maybe not great shooters. So they have some similarities, but because of Holloman's length and his versatility defensively, I don't think it's necessarily a negative. It shouldn't be looked at like, oh, is this one guy going to transfer? Is there going to be some attrition? That's always a question now in the transfer portal era. Mm -hmm. I think that we should look at is how can these guys complement each other? And because Michigan State has gotten some versatile combo guards and a Jaden Aikens and a Trey Holloman, and even to a certain degree, A.J. Hogard, we've seen some lineups where Tyson Walker and A.J. are playing next to each other. Because of some of the size and some of the strengths that they have, it's capable of playing a couple of these guys at once. And I really think that that's the way that college basketball is trending. And so to see Michigan State adapt to a certain degree and follow that trend after 2020-21 where there was no point guards on the roster, I love having three of them on the roster, okay? Yeah. One gets injured, oh, yeah. one's feeling a little <laughs> sick or doesn't play well. Well, guess what? You have multiple options on the roster. We've seen that this year where one guy isn't playing well, the other one starts playing well. It's kind of a back-and-forth situation that's allowed some leeway. And it's allowed Michigan State to actually, you know, probably be an overall better team. So I, I think that we need to just look at this as a scenario where Michigan State is in is going to be reaping the benefits of having multiple of these guys. And I'm really not worried about anybody leaving as a result of any type of commitment because I think that the two of them can play together. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's like Tom Izzo looked at the point guard situation last year and said, that's not happening ever again. We are, oh, <laughs> we're we're going to get things right here moving to, forward. As long as he's at the helm, there is now going to be two or three guys that can run the point guard spot at Michigan State for the rest of his tenure at Michigan State. There's, there's just no doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt. Well, hey, 
That's Dave Klein, SpartanHoops.com, who I, I pulled away from a family gathering to talk Michigan State basketball with me for the better part of 20 minutes. So, DK, thank you so this much is, for your time. This is a different part of the family gathering, Matt. Stop, stop kidding yourself. We're family. People. There we go. There we go. Absolutely love that. And you know what? Screw it. I'm driving across the state. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll see you in about two and a half hours. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited. Saturday's obviously a big night, my friend. So, uh, you know, find your favorite beverage. Maybe crack sure. it like around like one o'clock, right? Take a little bit of the edge of the game off. And let's just hope the Spartans come out and crack them across the face early. And if they do, <laughs> maybe we'll just get to sit in and enjoy a basketball game. Who knows? Uh, nothing I'd rather do on a fine Saturday evening than pop off some all caps tweets and pulling out receipts from uh, other people. Just, just, just like the the winner that I am. Just spending my Saturday afternoon and evening <laughs> online. That's right, baby. So let's, let's get it popping. Uh, DK, you're the best man. Thanks a lot for your time, dude. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. Massive thanks to my guy Dave Klein for once again hopping on these podcast airwaves to talk about Michigan State basketball. I, very few people even come close to doing it better than Dave Klein. He's he's the man, the myth, the legend, and always a great time chatting with him. Uh, also, we've got another fantastic gentleman on the other end of this little break here. Yes, of course, Justin Thind of 24-7 Sports. But first, I need to talk to you fine folks about Built Bar. That's right, Wolf down a built bar today, baby. Uh, blueberry muffin after I died during a uh, relatively early or relatively easy 30-minute workout. But you know what? Next time I'll have my built bar before the workout, not after. Uh, it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And uh, if yours is about getting fit, like mine is for the 10th year in a row, uh, or eating healthier, okay, mine for the 15th year in a row, make sure you include built bar in your plan. That's right, this is the year I finally stick to it. Let's go, baby. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or in my opinion, even better than a candy bar. It's way easier to stick to your resolutions with Built Bar because not just, you know, you got the great taste and all that fun stuff, but you also are eating a protein bar loaded with benefits like low calories, low sugar, low net carbs, and 17 grams of protein for most of the bars, if not 18 for some of these bad boys. So, it's not your typical uh, you know, candy bar that's loaded with 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs, or it's not like your other protein bar where you're just biting into it and sawdust is falling all over your shoes and you got to act like you enjoy eating this thing. Mm-mm. No. Built Bar, covered in 100% real chocolate, and they are smacking your taste buds with flavors like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. It goes on and on and on. They are always coming out with new limited time flavors as well, so check out Built.com to see what's new before they fly off the internet shelves quickly because their limited time flavors, they don't last long, let me tell you that. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. One more time, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We all remember Michael Jordan's flu game from far back, but this performance is going to completely outdo that. As I have Justin Thind of 24-7 Sports on, sick with the cocoa. That's right. He's He's got the Rona, baby, but he has joined us to talk MSU football recruiting because he's the ultimate team player. How you doing, man? Good, good. As you know, Mel Tucker's staff, they're relentless, so... Always stuff to talk about and cannot let the vid get in the way of all the developments. 
See, that, that's why we love you. Just powering through, going, <laughs> dragging the virus into the deep water. That's what we're talking about, baby. Um, let's just cut to the chase, man. A lot, lot of big news. And, you know, we're going to talk about recruiting. We'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal. But let's just kick it off with someone that's already here, someone that's been here for quite some time, and that is none other than Xavier Henderson. Despite at Big Ten Media Day saying that this is his last year, he's going to the NFL, he's coming back. He just announced on Twitter that he is coming back next season. So, Justin, fill in the blank for me. Xavier Henderson coming back to MSU means blank. How about that? It's a tough one. It means... 13-0. Optionality. In okay. portal, Michigan State now has one extra spot that they otherwise would have needed to use on a safety if Henderson left. So now they'll have the optionality to use that on either they can just allocate it to best available and just go after someone at a position they don't really need. They could maybe get another offensive lineman if they can find enough that are able to start. They could, um, I know they want to have one more running back and preferably they can get Trevante Citizen from LSU. But if not, they're going to look in the portal. They have, um, in my opinion, another need at defensive end. So they have five more spots after um, maybe some more dust settles here in the next few days. And one of those other six spots get taken away going down to five. But not needing to use one on a safety is huge uh, in terms of Michigan State having several holes in next year's roster. And now being able to use uh, those other spots in a position that is not safety. And you are obviously full of scoops. You're an insider of the industry, if you will. Do you know, do you have any idea what direction Michigan State is going to next for the transfer portal? Or is it really just simply best player so, available? Because, I, listen, so, each position yeah. group can use some help. Yeah, so each each uh, position group basically is constantly scouting at all times of the day. So um, they have some guys that are portal specialists that like pass along the players to the position coaches. Um, other guys like Coach Cap, they just prefer to cut out the middleman and just kind of do the scouting all on their own. So a lot of times you'll see he's the first one to follow a given prospect. So um, in terms of next, um, that's not really how I look at it. Um, I know they okay. have needs such as a couple guys in offensive line. Um, they're still looking at corners very profusely, um, looking at defensive ends here and there, looking at lots of portal running backs. So I would say it would be the next person would be one of the people from those position groups I just mentioned. Um, but in terms of next, it's just constantly evolving, constantly scouting, and it's whoever they make the most progress with out of anyone at, at any of those position groups. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 just being absolutely miserable, things are just going horrible, everything sucks, and 10 being, wow, things have never been better. How how would you rate Michigan State offseason so far? I know we're barely a week into it at this point, but pretty pretty good for my end, but you're a smart guy. I'm curious about what, what you think. So um, after signing day, it was pretty much looking like Michigan State was not going to have a top 20 high school recruiting class. They were always going to finish in the top 20 um, in the mm-hmm. overall rankings, which is the new 24-7 future where they combine transfers of high school guys because um, they were at 21 in the high school rankings and 20th in the overall rankings. And the overall rankings, gotcha. they're going to keep growing as they add five more transfers. But the high school rankings, that's really the traditional recruiting rankings. And I thought, well, they're going to miss out. They're going to finish 21st. They're going to just miss the top 20 class. 
And uh, as uh, I kind of reported yesterday, uh, Jeremy Bernard uh, from uh, the Washington uh, recruiting class is going to be let out of his uh, national letter of intent. Um, he's he's pretty much uh, going to be coming to Michigan State once everything <laughs> is uh, everything is uh, handled there. So that will give Michigan State the 17th best recruiting class in the nation once that's said and done. So that'll be a top 20 class for Mel Tucker if they can somehow land Trevante Citizen, which I would advise people not to get their hopes up until he locks down a visit in January. Um, if that's able to happen, then that's a top 15 class. So already on the high school recruiting side of things, um, they're doing much better than I thought that would be possible here um, just two weeks ago. Um, and then in the portal, uh, things have slowed down because the week of the bowl game, they were preparing for the mm -hmm. game and they kind of put all their transfer pursuits on hold for a second, which you can afford to do once if you've already landed four guys in the portal before you get to that point. Um, and now they're going to be picking that back up. But so I would I would have liked to have seen more aggressiveness for offensive line um, pursuits in the portal. So that's one of the things that um, not sure how that would factor into a potential letter grade, but I just would have liked to have seen more urgency. I know they're waiting for Keontae Goodwin's decision and things of that nature, sure. but to me, I would like to see them get three offensive linemen in the portal, um, especially with Jarrett Horst's um, kind of future of the team uncertain. And I don't know if they're in good shape with anyone in the portal right now. So that's an area that kind of concerns me. Um, but and then I also cornerback, but there haven't been a lot of solid corner, pure cover corner guys that have entered. I know yeah. Marcus Banks, Eli, Eli, Eli Ricks. So there haven't been a lot of options, but hopefully they can have more success there um, recruiting corners in the portal. But yeah, I mean, other, other than those two things, which, hey, they have five more spots left. So there's no reason to kind of already feel like the sky is falling or anything like that. But um, like I said, they... They did a good job, got four guys early, but those positions kind of worry me a little bit. So I would like to see some more ground made up there and hey, they have the spots to do it. So I would give them a grade of incomplete right now, but I would say they're killing it in the high school ranks and they've made good early progress in the portal. And uh, obviously the guys that they have returning, um, that Jaden Reed, that's huge. Uh, as Mark yeah, Taylor yeah. used to say, that's like getting a five-star recruit. Um, Bang on, then, uh, yeah. yeah. X being back, like I said, gives them optionality in the portal now with one of those additional spots. So good offseason for sure. But going to need to see how these next five spots are used in the portal. And to dip down back into the high school ranks to round out this chat, just, you know, the two guys that you've mentioned, mm -hmm. Jeremy Bernard and then Trevante Citizen. We'll start with Bernard, the yeah. guy where, you know, confidence is, is pretty high. Nothing's ever for yeah. certain in college yeah. football. But let's say, hypothetically, in your humble opinion, what excites you the most about Bernard or what should get state fans fired yeah. up about his game? What really just pops out of the yeah. film? So Bernard's a guy that right at the line of scrimmage gets a very clean release. And what that allows you to do is have success in the short and intermediate passing game and not just the long passing game. So there are some guys you see just speed demons that in high school uh, don't have fluid footwork or technique at the line of scrimmage, but they're just burners. And those guys come into college and they will still have a lot of success early on on streak routes, but they're not guys that you can rely on for five or six catches a game where they're catching slants, catching posts and those sort of things. Bernard is a guy that, like I said, has clean releases at the line of scrimmage and he can couple that with pretty good speed. 
So he's a guy that is fluid and he's a guy that can run a variety of routes and create separation in a lot of different ways. Um, he's one of the most refined um, route runners that Michigan State has gotten in a while. And um, he did it not just against um, decent competition, but he um, did it against Bishop Gorman. He was going up against some four-star gotcha. USC cornerback commit. So he's a guy that um, Michigan State probably won't need him to contribute next year because uh, you got obviously Trey, Montori, Jaden, that, that trio is set right there. And then Keon, mm-hmm. I believe, can definitely push to get in that top three, but he'll definitely be in the top four. Um, other guys too. So uh, you don't need him necessarily to contribute next year, but I think he has the ability to contribute as a freshman. And he's going to end up being one of the most dynamic players in this next uh, next three or four years of Mel Tucker football at Michigan State. And one guy that could contribute next year as a freshman is maybe a guy that seems a little pipe dreamish now. Uh, Trevante yeah. Citizen, of course, he's the four-star running back. He decommitted from LSU in late November, but he told – and I'm sorry to talk about the competition on three, another recruiting site. He told them earlier on Thursday that his final three are LSU, Auburn, and Florida – but also mentioned that Nebraska, Washington, Miami, and Michigan State are still being considered. So it was like a top three, but not really top three he gave mm-hmm. out. So I, how do you read the whole situation? Like, does Michigan State have any yeah. shot with uh, Citizen? Yeah, so that's – yeah, it's a murky situation because – and then yeah. he told 24-7 Sports that it was a top three of Michigan State, Auburn, and Miami. <laughs> so <Nice. laughs> uh, it's, it's basically the way I look at it is um, – certain times people that subscribe to Spartan tailgate, they kind of know if there's a reason to get your hopes up. I I, like don't stop people, but the other recruitments, I kind of have a feeling where right now is not the time to get your hopes up. And in those cases, you wait until there's a visit. This is Mm -hmm. the second kind of recruitment. This is one of those ones where um, I believe he has one official visit left and Michigan State is trying really hard right now to to beat Miami and some of these other schools to get that final fifth and final official visit. So if they're able to get that, I give Michigan State pretty good chances because these guys kill it on, on official visits um, better than most schools. I know if I was a recruit and uh, I meet Brian Kelly and then I go over to East Lansing and I meet Mel Tucker, Saeed Khalifa, these guys, <laughs> Uh, and Ephraim Reed, uh, who's a Louisiana right. native and who's going to be soon to be announced to Michigan State running backs coach. If I meet those guys, I I have a feeling where I'm leaving that that uh, visit and I'm thinking, man, Michigan State's an appealing option. So if they can get them to visit, get them on campus and meet those guys, I give Michigan State a good shot. If you don't, if the next two weeks go by and there's no movement of him choosing Michigan State for that final spot. Uh, the final official visit, then I would uh, suggest that people move on at that point. So it'll all come down to that visit. It would speak volumes of how good of a recruiter Mel Tucker is. If he can get between Miami in January, but have a kid come up to visit sunny East Lansing, Michigan in January with his final visit. I, wow. That says everything about Mel Tucker as a recruiter right there, man. So yeah. the, but hey, we'll, we'll hold on tight. But hey, thanks a lot for the rundown as always, Justin. You're the absolute man. You do incredible work at 24-7 Sports, as everyone knows. And it's probably why we're listening to this here podcast, because, hey, the people love hearing from uh, – they love hearing from you. They love hearing from Stephen Brooks. And I, I got to get Corey Robinson on one of these times, get the whole yeah. holy trinity of 24-7 yeah. Sports uh, and a few reporters on. But thanks a lot for your yeah. time, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Huge thanks to Justin Thind for once again dropping his knowledge on us and sharing everything he knows, the, the insides and outs of what's going on in the Scandalera Center at East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, it's just 
once again, two awesome guys to have on today's show with so much good news for Michigan State going on. So not just thanks to them, but also thank you to you guys for, hey, kicking off the year, the, the first week of the new year strong. I know I didn't necessarily with all the technical difficulties that first day and we couldn't get the episode out. But hey, you know what? It's, it's not how you start a year. It's how you finish, baby. So yeah, another fun week in the books. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day. Now go make your second listen, Locked on Bets. That's right, it's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. That's Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, free and available on all platforms. All right, guys, hey, let's have a weekend. Let's enjoy that game Saturday. Let's uh, let's get the vibes rolling here. Let's go, baby. Woo, go green.